Episode 90 is coming at you from two places in uh, Australia. Not just Queensland, Australia. It's coming from Victoria and Queensland. It's Parkrun Adventurers. I'm Mel. I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, Scotty. I'm fabulous. You think I'm fabulous, Mel? Thank you. You're fabulous today. Good. Absolutely fabulous. You obviously can't see me. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can only go by voices. Mm. So, you sound fabulous today. Last couple of weeks, you've sounded a little bit uh, lurgy-ish, but this week you sound like you're 100%. Good. I am. I'm 100% and you're right, feeling fabulous. You asked how I, or how was my weekend? Remember, remember, remember a couple of weeks ago I went top five when, when I took Kasha to PAX. Yes. We had a great weekend. I think I've given it another shake. I think I've got, I think I've had another, another top five weekend. Wow. How do you top PAX? I survived my run directing return at Westerfolds. That was lots of fun. Didn't make any mistakes. Everything went smoothly. Got to meet a couple of first timers, which you, you completely miss when you're out of the volunteering loop. And that's always exciting, that fresh person that comes to Parkrun for the first time has no idea what's going on and what they're about to embark on. So I got to meet a couple of those people. And then on Sunday, we had our local fun run. I talked about this last year on the pod, and I won't go over the victory of the Westerfoldians because it's it's more than a victory now. It's a it's a domination of that event, three time champion in the team competition. But again, my weekend highlight is linked back to my daughter Akasha. She won. She won the female under 16 6K event. Far out. That's amazing. Well, we thought it was amazing too, and completely out of the blue because Akasha is not a runner. She's a park runner but I wouldn't classify her as a runner. But on Sunday, she took off. She dropped her mum, so she was running with Yvonne, and uh-huh. mum couldn't keep up, which was <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't work at park run, but when you're in a race, it's fine. Okay, and so she what? She just she saw red and that was it. She's going for it. Well, to this day, I still can't understand why she was motivated to run hard on Sunday. I think she was. She had a bit of pride that she was representing the Westerfoldians and she wanted to do well for the team. Or maybe she's just got it in her. She just wanted to run fast, and she did. And we were beyond happy, beyond happy for her. And for six for six kilometres as well. Yeah, so I think that was the tipping point as well. I think she made up a lot of ground in the last kilometre, or the last kilometre and a bit. Top morning, top morning, and she was really happy. So, again, gosh, a very quiet, I wouldn't say shy, but she's just quiet, reserved little girl. But she told us afterwards, mummy and daddy, I know you can't tell, but I'm really happy on the inside. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) And so it blew all this. uh, I think this is the, this is what Parkrun can do for competitive races that we have on Sundays. So while we de-emphasize the the fast and the the winning at Parkrun, we can replace that on, on the Sunday afternoon or the Sunday morning with the events that we entered into. And so for the Yvonne and I were very proud. We were very happy that she had this moment where she was in the limelight and she was happy to be in the limelight. She's not even 10 and she's already got a running trophy. Yeah. You can never say she's not a runner again. No. No. That's amazing. Well done, Kasha. Yes. Well done, my little Kasha. I had a shocking run. But this is this is the way of Scott Trickett these days. I just, I'm not sure if I was built for running. But since my fall two months ago, oh, I, th- I, th- I think I've lost it, Mel. I don't think I'm ever going to get it back. Do the ribs still hurt when you run? They or do. You just... oh, they do. Oh. <laughs> I got to eight kilometres and I start, really hurt to breathe. And... That's a long time. You know, you might have broken them to the extent that a couple are sticking into your lungs or something. You really should go to a doctor. I know I've said this before, (laughs) but let them scan it. I don't care if you think that they're not going to be able to do anything about it. Maybe they can. We're beyond the doctor stage, I've told you. It's not going to happen. I just, I need something to rely on, to blame 
for my poor performances. And not being able to breathe is that excuse at the moment. Okay, well, I'm, I'm done listening to your excuses. But while I'm going in one direction, I saw your Strava from the weekend, you're going in the other direction. You had a speedy park run. Yeah, I saw your little I saw your little smart ass comment, speedy, on my Strava it was on not, the weekend. It wasn't it was smart ass at all. I thought you were getting quicker. Well mm. No? Well the thing is, see, I started a little bit late because I took a wrong turn and I got to park run late and literally pulled up as everyone was running away. So I had to unpack Wes and the pram and run back to the start and then run for the first kilometre to catch up to the tail walker <laughs> so I could get my token and have my run done and counted by the end of the morning. So yes, I went a little bit faster than I have done previously, which brings me to, I would like to talk about pram running because I mean, I don't have to do it very often and obviously I've only just really started doing it and one thing I've noticed is courses that I previously thought were flat actually have undulations that I don't appreciate. But I've always had a lot of respect for people who push prams and this is the first time that I've actually done it with little bits of run. I didn't run the whole way, I was walking it, so um, walk jogging. But I don't know, there's something, I, I need some tips on technique. Did you used to run with Kasha in a pram when she was little? No, avoided it completely. Never done the pram running. Okay, well then this one's out to the listeners. Please let me know what you do because I was all tight up in my shoulders and I'm pretty sure I was running like the hunchback of Notre Dame trying to push the pram and every time I, I noticed it, like I was getting pain across my back and stuff and I was like, oh... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I need to be a little bit loose and my shoulders need to be down or back or something. But, you know, and my hands were sweating on the handle and I'm just like, how do people do this? There's got to be a technique that I'm missing here. Am I too short for my pram? Am I holding it too close? Do I need to be more vertical or diagonal or something? i got no clue. Mm. So We need some expert advice. advice. Yeah, well, why, don't we, why don't we get Coach Deneen back on? Let's have him on next week. He can, he's got a little one. I'm sure he's run with a pram before, and I can often know advice. So let's get the coach on next week. Okay, that sounds like a plan. And maybe we can try and track down a, a super seasoned pram runner like Gavin Matheson, and maybe he can join us too. Yeah, there are plenty of them out there. There's a, I know there's a speedy guy out at Darabin who's like doing 18 minutes or something with a pram and not, not puffed at the end. So... I agree with you. There's a technique, but don't yeah, sell don't yourself short, is. Mel. Don't sell yourself <laughs> short. You know, you had a good run on Saturday. You ran. So what motivates you is not being left behind. Yes. Well, and also um, there, there was, and this is something that sort of links back to what you said about you don't know what motivated Kasha to go fast and she just left Vonnie behind. But uh, there was a lady toward the back who was really um, – she was walking with her son and you could tell that she had been trying to encourage him to run and things like that. But I, being a back of the packer, often come across people trying to encourage their kids to go a little bit faster um, in the nicest possible way, but the kids have already, you know, decided – my legs are tired, my toe hurts, it's been hurting for four weeks and why would I want to run, that kind of thing. So um, uh, I kind of helped her a little bit, which forced me to run a bit more in that last kilometre as well in terms of, you know, challenging him to say, oh, look, you know, we've we've been chasing you down, it's taken us four kilometres to catch up to you, you're doing so well and, you know, you just got to keep going, you can't let us beat you now and all, all the the nice sort of um, reverse psychology type things that you, you do to challenge kids without basically trying to drag them along crying <laughs> in those last few kilometres. But all those things that you do to bribe them to go just that little bit faster. And tell you what, I, I don't care how much they complain. They still have the energy legs and they can still put it on when they want to, can't <laughs> Absolutely. they? Absolutely. We've had many a park runs where Kasha's been complaining, crosses the finish line and she's running off to the playground. and She's got all this energy. <laughs> Again, it, it gets back like to motivation, Mel. What motivates you? 
Yeah, maybe we need to talk to some of the kids as well without sort of letting them know that we're trying to get in their heads to see what we can do to get them to go faster. A conversation for another podcast, perhaps. A couple of months back, we had Kelly Hodges on. She was giving me some advice, or both of us, advice on diet and nutrition, and we teased it last week, and we're delivered. Welcome back to the Parkrun Adventurers, Kelly. Ah, thank you. I'm very happy to be back. We're happy to have you back, and we're happy that we've got some questions to ask you. The first one is very dear to me because I'm a believer. I'm a believer in the coconut oil myth. So one of the questions we had is why is coconut oil all the rage when it's so high in saturated fat? Doesn't that make it bad for you? Please tell me it doesn't. Awesome. I love this question because coconut oil is honestly everywhere. Even just yesterday I did a post about coconut oil And I've made it into deodorant and I've made it into a muscle relaxant and I've made it into a face cream. So coconut is honestly everywhere. So this is a really, really good question. I guess what we first have to have a look at is the background of fat because everybody is really afraid of fat. And what we need to do is understand where this has come from and if we actually need to be afraid of fat. And so... For fat, Dr. Ansel Keys, have you guys heard of him? Yes. Oh, very good, Mel. Have you, Scott? Mm, No. No. All right. So Dr. Ansel Keys, he was a scientist who made the claim, fat makes you fat. So he's a really, really well-known researcher, and he was in charge of creating calorie-dense meals for the soldiers of World War II. And so he was very well-respected. So after completing his work um, with the soldiers, he wanted to research the factors involved in um, heart disease, which led him to the seven-country study. So the now famous study, it looked at um, it looked at all the data on the diets of a selection of different countries, and what he came to show um, is that the more fat you have in your diet, the higher the rate of your heart disease. So the higher the likelihood of getting heart disease. And along with heart disease came weight gain. And so everybody got very afraid, and he made that claim. Fat makes you fat, and that gave uproar to the whole commercial marketing of low fat, no fat, reduced fat, and so for the next five decades, um, everything went low fat, so whether it was yogurt or um, or just absolutely everything, ice cream, anything that had an ounce of fat was then made lower fat, and so... What you can actually see, though, because what was not published, and it was only published many, many years later, when it was too late, was that there weren't actually seven countries in that study. There were 22 countries. And so when there's 22 countries in the study, and when you plot all the information from the 22 countries with how much fat did they eat and what's their um, heart disease risk, you can't actually see any correlation. And so therefore, um, the conclusion is that any relationship between dietary fat consumption and um, cholesterol or obesity, um, it makes it very difficult to show the relationship between heart disease. So what I'm saying here is that Dr. Ansel Keys, he said fat makes you fat. Everybody believed him. But when you put his whole study together, there was no science to prove that it's not a very convincing argument. In addition to this, um, well, first of all, three decades following the low-fat bandwagon, um, what the U.S. found was that dropping fat in their diet actually landed the population with waistlines double the size in just three decades. And so everyone was getting fatter. There's actually also just been a a study released just last year on PubMed. And the title is The Evidence for Saturated Fat and for Sugar Related to Coronary Heart Disease. 
But what it even says in here is that some food sources of saturated fatty acids may pose no risk for coronary heart disease or possibly even be protective. And so with fat, everybody back in the day was all taught fat makes you fat. Fat gives you heart disease. Fat sticks to your arteries. And so everyone stayed away from fat. But what we've now learned and what's coming out more and more and more and more, thank goodness, in, um, in the research is that it's not saturated fat. So it's not your coconut oil, it's not your butter, it's not your uh, fat on the steak or anything like that. The things that cause weight gain, the things that cause heart disease is more looking at your trans fats, which is your... Um, which is your processed fats, your human fats. So things like deep frying or processed foods or your cakes and pastries, which have been, um, which have used hydrogenated oils. So it's your trans fats and the sugars, which are causing weight gain and heart disease. So to answer your question in a very roundabout fashion, um, coconut oil, is fine for you to use it's the rage because i don't know why it's the rage it tastes great and it does so many different things but no it's not bad for you like with everything whether you're using it as an oil or um or um for cooking or anything like that just make sure you get a variety in your diet but there's no reason uh to think that coconut oil is bad for you well, thank goodness for that. I'm relieved because, I, as I said, we use it in our cooking. We love it. I use it as an, as an aftershave. I drink coconut water by the gallon. It does have so many uses. Can I actually, there's a whole heap of benefits with having fat in your diet. Can I just run through some of them just so that um, I, don't, I don't want people to be afraid of having fat in their diet? Go for it. I'm sure people would be wrapped. To hear that they can awesome. put fat in their diet. Yes. So some of the benefits of fat, I won't go through all of them, but some of the major ones, um, the one I love the most is that it increases your fullness. So when you consume fat in your diet, so whether that's coming from avocados, nuts and seeds, oily fish, coconut oil, butter, uh, the fat on your steak, when you have that sort of fat in your diet and you're consuming it, it increases how full you feel. And it makes you feel fuller for longer which therefore over time means that you're going to eat less, which is great for weight loss. The other thing um, that it does, obviously healthy glowing skin and strong nails, it helps to absorb fat-soluble vitamins. So vitamins A, D, E, and K all need fat in your diet to be able to be absorbed. It helps with your brain development. Your brain is over 50% fat. And so it helps with your cognitive, um, your cognitive abilities through the day, whether that's concentration, uh, memory recall, um, exams under pressure, that sort of thing. It also helps with hormone production, um, which is really important. So that's things like your, um, your testosterone, estrogen, but then also insulin, which helps with sugar. And so it, Oh, it supports the immune system. It, it has a whole huge amount of benefits, and that's honestly just touching the iceberg over there. So with fat, I just really, really want to urge people to not be afraid of fat. So Kelly, not be afraid of normal fat, but steer clear of the trans fats? Yes. Awesome. So yeah, just stay away from processed fats. Anything that's been man-made or man-manipulated then um, that's classed as processed and they're the ones that you want to stay away from just because it causes inflammation it can cause um, plaque on your arteries which ultimately can lead to heart disease okay awesome i think there's a lot of people out there that are going to be very excited and and rushing on out to load up which brings me to our next question what's the difference between a serving and a portion Oh, that's a great question. Um, the difference is actually, I don't think that there is one. And so when it comes to a portion and a serving, to the best of my knowledge, you can use those words interchangeably. And so whether you're having a portion of something or a serving of something, um, they're, they're both the same thing. Okay, great. I've got the next one. 
and this is also really relevant to me, um, eating before a run, yes or no, which is the best approach? Because I can tell you I never eat before a run, a race or even park run, but I know a lot of my mates couldn't not eat before a run. Who's yeah. right? Oh, well, I guess it depends on the person, but also it depends on the distance and your fitness level. So um, I guess the fitter you are, the less you would have to eat. So, for example, yourself, Scott, who's been running and you pre well, you always do your park run on your Saturday, so you're quite used to the five-kilometre distance. You might not find that you need that sort of energy um, before a run. However, if you haven't um, been exercising for the past 15, 20 years, you're really new into it and you're trying to do a five-kilometre distance and you may want something in your system just to give you a bit of extra oomph on your morning. But what, it, what happens is that your body already has glucose in the bloodstream, which it uses for energy. So if you're running a short distance, kind of a short to medium distance, say anywhere up until about 10, 12 kilometers, there's generally no need for food before you run. If, however, you're running a longer distance or you find um, that you're not quite as fit and you're needing some extra fuel in your body, anything over generally about 12 kilometers, you may benefit from a snack beforehand. Some people really benefit from a snack beforehand. Other people, they um, may react to the food. They don't feel as well. They feel a bit heavy and they just don't want it. So it does actually come down to the person, down to the fitness levels and down to the distance that you're running. Awesome. Kelly, I've just got one last question from another listener who said that they're running to lose weight and should they avoid carbs? No, no one should avoid carbs. So carbs aren't the bad guy. And so with carbohydrates, too much carbohydrates, um, which are broken down into sugar, can definitely make it harder to lose weight. But at the end of the day, everybody needs some carbs in their diet. Perhaps Western society as a whole, most of us are having too many carbohydrates in the diet. So I guess when, you, when you've got your meal, um, you're wanting to make sure that no more then 25% of your meal is carbohydrates. So carbohydrates, for those who don't know, it, um, it's found in things like fruit, your starchy vegetables, so that's um, potato and your corn. It's also found in bread, in rice, in pastas. Um, and so when you're eating those foods, only maximum of 25% of your meal should be carbohydrates. If you want to have less carbohydrates, that's no problem, but you need to make sure that you are having additional fat in your um, diet to compensate. So should you avoid carbs? No, please don't avoid carbs. If you're trying to lose weight, the one thing I could always encourage people to do is um, eat more veggies, eat more of your free veggies. So 93% of Australians don't meet vegetable requirements and one, um, so veggie requirements is five serves a day. One serve is equal to one cup of raw or half a cup of cooked. So if you're only having salad, you need five cups of salad in a day and 93% of Australians aren't getting enough veggies. So if you were to increase your veggies, this is just a nice, easy way to fill you up and without costing you too many calories, but then also you're not avoiding any major food groups like carbs. So rather focus on what you can put in rather than what you can pull out. Kelly, I've got a question from me, from Scott, from yes. research. One of my running mates, how far do we take the portion control and the inclusion of fats because one of my running mates measured out all his food when he was running preparing for the marathon and like he would a portion of nuts would be a handful of nuts now if I eat nuts I probably eat a couple of handfuls do, do we take it to the next level or are we all overestimating our portion size can we benefit uh, from measuring stuff out well you know everybody's so different in this respect for me 
I really, really dislike um, measuring things out. I don't like weighing things. For me, I prefer to have a visual uh, kind of representation of my plate. So if I've got my plate there and I've got no more than 25% carbohydrates on it, I know that I need to fill up half my plate with veggies and the remaining quarter can be a source of protein. And so for me, I never weigh or measure or anything like that just because I find that, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't enjoy doing that. It's too finicky for me. But then for other people, it works really, really well for them because it kind of gives them that peace of mind. They know exactly how much they're getting, how much they're going to be expending through the day. They know exactly what's going in and out. So it depends on the person. If you're having something like nuts and most people, other than the people who are very good and they only take the one handful of nuts, which is one serve size, um, if you're having something like nuts and let's say you do have your two handfuls, because it's a fat, it's going to, it, all those benefits are going to stay in your body. And so it doesn't matter if you're having two handfuls on one day and then no nuts for a few days and then another two handfuls. It doesn't matter whether you're doing that or if you're religiously having a little handful every day. It doesn't matter how you spread that out. Does that make sense? It does. And that's a relief. Yeah. Thanks for answering that question. Yeah. Everyone's different is, is the answer really, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Because honestly, for me, I hate measuring things. But then for others, I know that they would die without measuring things. And it just gives them that peace of mind. So it is whatever works for the person. Well, Kelly, what works for me is I think I'm going to have to start eating before we have you come on the show because I'm hungry now. I want to go eat a big bowl of pasta and veggies. <laughs> Possibly a little bit better than my tropical pineapple chocolate, which I snacked on before we started. So, Oh, that, that does sound lovely, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us again. You've given us a lot of food for thought, pun intended. Very good. Love the pun. <laughs> and we look forward to having you back again next time. Yes, yes, that would be great. Look forward to chatting to you guys again soon. Our next guest joins us all the way from the sunny southwest of Victoria. She is the event director at Warrnambool Parkrun and her name is Courtney White. Courtney, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And we are excited to have you. I have seen video footage of your course, at least 10 seconds of it, which looks absolutely stunning. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what people could expect if they head over to Warrnambool for a parkrun? Yeah, look, I think it's pretty stunning. I'm a little bit biased myself. Um, where our course is located at uh, Lake Patobe in Warrnambool. So it's based around a lake environment. So we cross a couple of bridges that go over some beautiful waterways, um, joins up with an existing footpath, gravel footpath that runs right around the back of the lake. It's an out and back. So you run to the 2.5k marker, turn around and come back exactly the same way back again. Uh, quite scenic. There's some beautiful willow trees and beautiful um, grassland as well at the back of the area. Courtney, I was lucky enough to freedom run your course earlier this year and I got lost. There was a junction where I could oh, have turned you? left or right and I went left, but it was beautiful because I ran around the lake on the grass bit and got to share my run with lots of bird life. There's lots going on, on in that lake. There is. There's lots of different twists and turns you can take um, when you're not marked on it if it's outside of a Saturday morning and there's no markers. Uh, yeah, there's lots of bird life. Um, a few kids, a kangaroo that sometimes posts, uh, wallaby that sometimes posts its head about too. There's a few cheeky birds that tend to swoop us when we're setting up the course at 6.30 in the morning. That's not particularly fun. But yeah, pretty, pretty, very beautiful. It definitely was beautiful. I did actually correct myself. So I ended up doing a, I think a 7K freedom run that day. <laughs> It was lovely. Lots of bridges, and you're coming up to your anniversary. You're celebrating one year at Warnable Park Run. That's a bit exciting. That is, yeah. So I can't believe it's been 12 months already. It feels like it's just flown by, but 
yeah, we're really looking forward to, to celebrating um, our first anniversary at Warrnambool Park Run this Saturday. And Courtney, how did you get involved with Park Run then? What's your Park Run story? Well, it's my sister's fault. Um, I was introduced to Park Run through her. She was kicking goals with her health and fitness. And she, my hometown is Inverloch in the other side of Victoria, about five hours from where I am in Warrnambool. And I got dragged along to Park Run in Inverloch with her and I thought, typical sibling rivalry that I thought, if I can keep up with her the whole way, then I'll just beat her at the finish line. But unfortunately, she left me for dead. So I thought the only reason, the only way I can beat her now is to go back to Warrnambool and start another park run somewhere else. And I did that <laughs> about 12 months later. That's taking sibling rivalry to the next level. Is she jealous now? <laughs> It is a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's still doing very well at Inverloch, so we'll give her that. And so what have been some of the highlights of one year of Warrnambool Park Run? What sort of, what's the crowd like at Warrnambool? Yeah, look, um, I think the highlight for me has definitely been getting to know some of the members of my local community. Um, we have some really, really lovely people that come and attend um, our park run every week. We just celebrated our first uh, 50 milestone for one of our runners, uh, one of our walkers. So our first person to complete 50 park runs was Tom, and he's one of our regular walkers. He walks, um, he's missed, I think, two events in the last year. So getting to know people like Tom um, and lots of all of our other locals that are just really um, excited to be part of a, a passionate um, community that, that really get behind us at Warrnambool Park Run. One thing Warrnambool is known for, it can get a bit cold and windy. Have you had a couple of frosty winter park runs? Yes, uh, Windy Warnable, uh, as we're well known. Um, we've been pretty lucky, actually, touch wood, in the last 12 months. Uh, winter, obviously, dark and gloomy times, but um, most mornings we the rain tend to, seems to held off. I think the rain gauge just seems to know that it doesn't not allowed to rain until about 9.30. Uh, so we've had a couple of drizzly mornings and a couple of cold, certainly some colder mornings with the nice sea breeze, but um, overall we've been pretty lucky with the weather these last 12 months, I definitely would say. Have you been to, I, I know you've obviously been to Inverloch, but have you been to many other events? Oh, I've done a few, not a lot. Um, I've tried to get to all the ones in my local area around the southwest uh, bit, so I've done Timboon and Hamilton and Port Ferry. Uh, my family is obviously, as I mentioned with my sister, my family's quite involved with Parkrun, so we like to to see if we can um, always get in a park run when we're away on holidays, like we did last week in Bendigo whilst we were travelling. We left a day early just so that we could get a park run in. So done a few, but always up to do more. And has your sister been over to to um, contest you at Warrnambool? She came on our launch day, yeah. My sister and both my parents came up to support us on, on our launch day. Um, so she has done Warrnambool Park Run in a pretty good time too, but yeah. Courtney, good luck on Saturday. The first anniversary is always lots of fun. Thanks for coming on the podcast and telling us all about your event down at Windy Warnable. No worries, guys. It was great to talk to you. Established, speaking to Courtney, that at Warrnambool we've got an anniversary this weekend, but we've also got anniversaries at a whole bunch of other places, including Albert Melbourne in Victoria. Kakarook, also in Victoria. Big weekend for you Victorians. Callumvale in Queensland, the 100th event to launch in Australia. Nambour in Queensland, so equally big event, no big weekend. No, 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 we win. We got three. You're two. Yep, we win. Mel, can you tell me about launches this week? I know we've got a couple. And there's a new one in WA. Where's that happening? Whitford's Nodes in WA. That's a funny old name, Whitford's Nodes. It sounds very British or something, doesn't it? Does it? What's a node? It's not a, is that a land form? Is that something on your skin? Um, I isn't it an electronic thing? A node? Hmm. This node node could be our word of the week. We didn't mention what our word of the week was from last week. And I, even though we did 
managed to stumble across it on Google. It wasn't until other people mentioned it that it sounded right. And I believe the word was facehopper. Apparently. I think we mentioned it last week. It still doesn't sit comfortably with me. When we launch our range of space hoppers, they're not going to be called space hoppers. We're, oh, shake, okay. we're shaking up the market. Are you going to have market. this conversation with me? <laughs> I'm having it right Don't, now. Do I not have a say? <laughs> Look, there's one more launch. There's one more launch. And that's another one that I'm going to get to before Christmas. It's Lota in Queensland. Lota or Lotta? Sounds like a lot of fun. It's Lota. Lota. That's a As, shame. Yeah. It's not a shame. <laughs> it can still be a Lota fun. It could be. You just sound a little bit more Scottish. Hmm. It's a Lota fun. <laughs> or Irish. Irish. <laughs> I think you're Irish there, Mel. Yeah. If you're Scottish, I wouldn't have understood you. <laughs> well, that depends on, on which part of Scotland I'm from. Speaking of a Lota fun, our Pearlustration wrapped up a couple of weeks ago and we promised we would give you the feedback and we keep our promises. If that's one thing we do... We say a lot and we deliver. <laughs> it might take a long time, but we do get there in the end. So do you want to start, Scotty? Let's let's do. Let's question one. Let's just go through it. We asked you 11 questions and we're just going to analyze them and share the data with you. We had a great response, double the response from last year. Which is pretty awesome. We were excited about it. First question. So this was a state of origin question. Where do you park run? So we slipped this in there purely for a competition between me and Mel. And I'm pleased to say Victoria and Queensland came out first and second. I'm pretty sure we didn't slip this in as a competition between you and me. Not everything is a competition <laughs> between you and me. Uh, we, we kept a couple of the questions at the start of the pearl illustration, the same as what we had in 2016. Because how can you measure performance over time if you don't ask the same questions? So This is true. But Victoria won, so most of our listeners <laughs> <laughs> come from Victoria. No, that is not accurate necessarily. Most of the listeners who fill out a survey come from Victoria. Okay, that's how we're so looking you, at it. So you might be a big state for survey filler adders. <laughs> In which case, you can win that competition. That's mm. fine. But it's a, it's a nice reflection of where Parkrun is at. And, and I joked with uh, Simon last week that we don't get a lot of engagement from our New South Wales crew. And that was also evident through our survey when they came in fourth behind... South Australians, even though it's not a competition, but it's just good to find out where our park runners who fill out the survey are from. And we had a few internationally too, which is great to see. Question two, how do you listen to the podcast? A returning question from last year as well. And also important that we left Stitcher in there as one of the answers. Does anyone... zero people. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> listens on Stitcher. Which is a sharp decline from last year's one. Is it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Most of you are on iTunes, which means that we need to be having more reviews received on iTunes. Please and thank you. I'll go to question three, shall I? You shall. This one was very important because we wanted to see what the level of adventureness was out amongst our adventurers. And so we asked how many different events you've been to and gave you a whole bunch of ranges. So the winner or, or the one with the most people answering was between 21 and 50 events, which shows that most people who answer our surveys are on the most events list. Hmm. And that's a good adventurer, I reckon. That's what I... If you're getting to 20 events and you're on that most events list, you're an adventurer by definition. You are. And and there were a lot in the 11 to 20 and the 6 to 10 range as well. So I think that's a lot of up-and-comers, people who are new to adventuring or potentially live in more remote areas but are still keen to get out there and do it. So good to see you guys. What I probably should have offered was um, 
a less than zero, a zero or, or less than one because it would be interesting to see if we've got any listeners who've never been to a park run. They, they might be out there, Scotty. Should pop that one in for next year. That's what I was going to say, something for next year. Yeah. And we had a good representation of park runners who have done international events. 25% of you have visited international events, which is pretty good. I wouldn't have think I would have thought it would be there so high. Well, that's awesome considering like 50% of of the podcast hosts have been <laughs> exactly. international events. So way to represent, guys. Good job. But we're still winning that medal cuz 50 is more than 25. So we're still <laughs> we won that one too. We won that one together for a change. Question 4 was really interesting. So this is where we get to the guts of what we wanted to know where we can take the podcast in future episodes and it was what type of guests do you like to hear on the pod and i got to admit I was quite surprised with the top answer being regular park runners doing irregular things a pretty clear winner pretty clear in front of our park run event or run directors which is good which confirms that you like to hear from our EDs around the country and you like to hear from the different events around the country So we're not wasting our time with that. Absolutely not. Now, question five, we're going to come back to later because that one has just brought forth a bounty of goodies that we want to digest. So we'll we'll come back to that one later, but we'll skip it for now and head on to question number six. And that was, would people like to see Parkrun Adventures merchandise? Were you surprised? Um... Well, I don't know. I've, it, it was it was an honest question, so it could have gone either way. Sixty-one percent of you would like to see merchandise. Thirty-eight, eh, couldn't care less. The follow-up question produced even more interesting results because would we buy, would you buy Parkrun Adventures merchandise? Sixty-six percent ticked, shut up and take my money, or would pre-order the heck out of it, which is more than the 61% who said they would buy it or would like to see it. And interestingly, we had the same amount of responses from this and the previous question. So, yeah, (laughs) some people said, meh, they don't care about seeing the merchandise. But when it, you know, if it was available and they could buy it, more people said, yeah, okay. You guys are... Enigmas. Hmm. Still doesn't answer the question whether there is actually going to be Parkrun Adventures merchandise. But it was an interesting question to ask. Yes, we have to find out what, you know, whether or not space hoppers and leg warmers are really what people want. So that's a question for another survey, another perlustration. Shall we, shall we pop on to question eight, Scotty? Which was a competition. Which continues to be a competition. Yes. Who do you think will reach 50 Aussie Park Runs first? Now, I teased this a couple of weeks ago, and I think I might have read the stats wrong. (laughs) Well, if you didn't read the stats wrong, possibly more answers came in afterwards that swung it in a different direction. Maybe, maybe, because I won. Well, no, (laughs) that's not true either. No, you didn't. Actually, 46% of you think it's going to be a tie. And that was that was the biggest answer. Most people think it's going to be a tie, followed by 32% think Scotty has got it in the bag. And then only 21% sort of thought, yeah, Mel might have it. So that's interesting. It's very interesting. Almost half our audience who fill out the illustration have faith in our organisation skills, Mel, to, to coordinate that sort of thing happening. I'm impressed. They've got faith in us. Yeah. Or, or yeah, I, I, I can't really... I don't know what to extrapolate from that one, to be honest. Well, let's go to question nine, because this one hurts me. It's all yours. This one hurts you? It does. <laughs> Which would you prefer, more Game of Thrones talk or more NFL talk? Now... Far and away, the most responses came in for the what now? (laughs) So we're going to assume that you guys don't know about Game of Thrones 
or NFL, in which case, what rock have you been living under? Well, I take it it's our obligation to inform our audience about these topics because clearly they don't know enough about them. But to get a, you know, I'm crushed, 5%? 5%? (laughs) Said Tom Brady is the GOAT. Everybody else was a Game of Throners. There was 31% of you who, who were fully for Game of Thrones. So you are my people. We will stay strong together. Question 10. This one puzzled quite a few people. But funnily enough, fewer people skipped it than skipped other questions. So <laughs> everybody, everybody had an was opinion. willing to weigh in. Yes. <laughs> and the question was, what is your favourite type of frog? And who's the biggest loser, Scotty, well, this, in this department? This blew me away. Have, have you people ever seen a golden mantella? Obviously, they haven't. No, well, they, they can't answer back now because one, one, less than 1%. What I find is really interesting is that the, the frogs, the four out of the six that aren't fictional – all scored the lowest. <laughs> and most people were fans of Kermit the Frog, who I know is not your favourite frog. And then after him, so how, how many people voted for Kermit? That was 41% voted for Kermit. And then after Kermit, 26% voted for Jeremiah. <laughs> Baffles me. Baffles the mind. And, and tell me, Mel, why did we ask this question? Well, because it's important. I think, well, it, I, it doesn't baffle my mind. I think it is a perfect illustration of the kind of listeners that we have is that most of them do not live in the real world. And <laughs> <laughs> they, they much prefer to be able to sing songs or, um, I don't know, Kermit the Frog? I don't know why Kermit. They like the Muppets. Maybe. I'm sure psychologists would be able to give us a much more in-depth answer hmm. about what this says about our listeners. Out of all the questions we ask, that question is going to shape the direction of the podcast moving forward. I think I can categorically say that at least. So thanks for responding. We certainly won't be interviewing any golden mantellas in the future. So much hate. So much hate? For the golden mantella. Well, maybe it's not... A representation of the hate for the Mantella so much as it's a represent... Oh no, you're totally going to use that later. (laughs) Just use it now. As a a representation of the love for the other kinds of frogs. Question 11. Should we come back in 2018? That one was split pretty, pretty evenly. Yeah. Between people wanting us to at least get to 100 episodes and people wanting us to keep going to infinity and beyond. Do we have good news for that one person who said that they've had their feel, Scotty? (laughs) No, we don't. Sorry, buddy. Actually, we do. Because you know what? You don't have to listen anymore. Nobody is forcing you to download our podcast. This is true. You can stop right now. This is the good news. But I will, there's more good news. I can guarantee, Mel, unless I get hit by a bus and, or something horrible oh, happens. don't say things like that. <laughs> um, we will get to 100 episodes, that I can guarantee. And we're not going to do two episodes a week. So we are coming back next year. Well, that's the answer to that question anyway. We'll, we will be back in 2018. Don't get hit by a bus, please, Scotty. Try or some other such equivalent terrible disaster. Now we promised we'd come back to question five. Do you want to start with this one? If the Parkrun Adventurers could interview anyone, living or dead, who would you like us to interview and why? Where do we go, Mel? We had people did nominate dead people. Well, yeah. Was that a surprise to you? Um, No, it wasn't actually. No, no. I'm just, it's going to be a struggle for us. Mel, could you give us an example of some of the dead people that uh, were suggested as future interviewees? 
Well, there's a whole bunch of them that are runners, but a few people um, have done some musicians. So I'll give you the top three responses to start with. So the most popular request for someone who's passed away was Cliff Young, because uh, I'm sure people will remember Cliff. He's an Australian runner um, who was famous for having a shuffle. And he was a farmer and came from out of nowhere to do some amazing feats in long distance running. Um, so he was the most popular request, followed by the late, great Ron Clark, another runner. And just to mix it up a little bit, we had um, multiple requests for Elvis also. Hmm. Elvis is very popular. I never got it myself, but people wanted to know if he did do parkrun, would he have lived longer? And Maybe he could still be with us, which I know would make a lot of people happy. But then, you know, we also had some interesting things like uh, Richard Burton, the explorer, not to be confused with the actor. Uh, Richard Burton was best known for his achievements, including um, a well-documented journey to Mecca in disguise at a time when Europeans were forbidden access on pain of death. So I don't believe he died as a result of that, but he has obviously passed away. Phaedipides... Yeah, the Greek courier, one. who's yeah, who's responsible for marathons, you know, that would be great to ask him questions. And this is what I loved. I loved the the whys that people gave for why they wanted to talk to different people. Um, we had somebody requested Sir Charles Kingsford Smith because they admire his achievements and they shared some information. So it was a learning experience for us too. Uh, they mentioned that when he was preparing for his transatlantic crossing, he would run half marathon distances to prepare his body and increase his mental stamina and endurance for the arduous long leg sectors. And did you know, Scotty, before this... That he also landed aircraft at Chrissy Field in San Francisco. Oh, of course I did. Everybody does. Oh, well, I must be the dunce then. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, I didn't know it either. So you're right. We got an education. It's fantastic. Let's move on to people that we actually can get on the podcast. And far and away, streets ahead was our local legend, Rob D. Costella, as our most wanted interviewee. So many people requested Rob. I reckon we can lock Rob in. Rob's coming on. Well, if he agrees. <laughs> we'll certainly ask him for you guys, okay? <laughs> he'll agree. Trust me, he'll agree. So that's good to know. So we'll have Rob on soon. PSH came in second. Lots of people want to hear from him again. We did have him on at the end of last year. We'd love to get PSH back on. Nothing stopping us from doing that. I think we'll have to make that happen as well. A couple more, Mel, to jump out. Yep, there was a tie. Well, there was a tie for the third place between uh, Steve Monaghetti and Mo Farah. Um, the word legend got bandied around quite a lot when people said why uh, these people wanted to be in. But um, let's just pick a few, a few different ones. So. Last week or the week before, I think you mentioned somebody wanted Sophie Monk on. Uh, we did have somebody else mention not Sophie Monk. So as those two balance each kind other of out. balance each other out, we will not be asking Sophie Monk on the show. Um, there were lots of runners, weren't there? So people nominated lots of runners, which was kind of in contrast to how they answered the other question that they don't really want us to speak to fast runners. You know, Roger Bannister, Jess Trengove popped up on the list, Brad Bevan. These guys are fast. No, is, isn't Brad Bevan a cricketer? Is he? Oh, no, he's, he's, a, <laughs> he's a triathlete. Oh, I thought Brad Bevan a cricketer. No, maybe I'm thinking of a different Bevan. I must be. Well, that's all right. There, there's that whole education thing popping up again. Um, this one I had to ask Scotty about... Um, I sent him a message a bit early and saying, Zatapec, is, is that the horse? Because Zatapec is uh, a brown 13-year-old horse from Ireland <laughs> that's been trained by Miss S.O. Sullivan based in Cork and was sired by the stallion Tamayas out of the dam Tamay. 
and uh, managed to win one race in his career so far. So only one race, but it has since concluded. And I thought, okay, well, somebody wants us to talk to an animal, but no. Apparently, Scotty thinks, who do you think it is? This is Emil Zatopek, who um, was a very famous runner back in the days, one of Ron Clark's rivals. There's a famous story of Emil giving Ron his medal from the Olympics because Ron missed out and because Emil respected Ron so much. So, yes, I don't think it's the horse. It would be a bit of a dead interview. (laughs) Even though the horse is still living. Yep. One of the few to make it out of the racing industry, still alive. We did get a lot of parkrun. There was a bit of a parkrun theme to some of the responses as well. Neil Barnett was one that came up. So anyone who follows the most events list here in Australia will see Neil's name at the top of that list. And I'd say he's a little bit of an enigma. If anyone knows Neil, you know, we'd love to have a chat to him, find out why he does what he does. He clearly loves getting around to different park runs, but I've never met him. Have you met him, Mel? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. No. He certainly hasn't introduced himself to me, so if he's run at one of the events I've run at, I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah. But, I mean, obviously, he, he loves to get around to the different events, so we would love to have a chat to him. Now, we're not going to give you the full list of all of them because there were several people in there who voted for being surprised. They want us to surprise them, so we're going to hold back and we're not going to let you know everybody that got nominated because we still want to surprise you guys sometimes and, um, and find some of those people. So, got heaps to be going on with, uh, you know... literally hundreds of uh, different people named. So, you know, there could be another couple of years worth of podcasts if we interviewed all these people. Just quietly putting it out there, Scotty. (laughs) That's good. That's good to know that we'll never run out of inspiration. So that's our Pearlustration done for another year. Thanks so much to all of you. We really do appreciate it. We, we love going through the results. Yes, thank you. And learning more about what you guys think of us and the podcast. And so everybody who entered our extravag- our TomTom Adventurer Extravaganza giveaway has been – their name has been put on a big wheel. Okay. And so we're very serious about this. This competition is a big deal. So we had to get in a big deal – to spin the big wheel and find out who won. And for complete independence and fairness, we're bringing in Renee Gimbert to spin the wheel for us. Welcome back to the pod, Renee. Thank you. Now you've got the big wheel with all the names on I it do. and all the people who I do. went through the very rigorous task of entering the competition. That was by letting us know one of the answers to their questions. Are you ready? Yeah, it's like a big wheel of fortune wheel. It is. Mel it's and exciting. I can't see the wheel. You're in complete control nope. of the wheel. So whenever you're okay. ready, give it a spin and let us know who wins. All right. It's spinning quite fast and it's psychedelic and very colourful and it's going slower. Oh. And the winner is? Drum roll, L. Fisher. L. Not to Mel. be confused with Mel. No, it's it's not my pseudonym. I didn't enter the competition under an alias. Definitely somebody else. Well done, L. And well done, Renee. Thanks for being our spinner. Thanks for having me for the most exciting <laughs> segment. See ya. And that about wraps it up for episode 90. We're out of the 80s. We're into the 90s. It's going to be a very nondescript decade of outfits. But before we get to the outfits, we've got to get through Naked November. And this weekend coming is the International Day of Running Naked, the 18th of November. So make sure you get in on that action. Will you be running naked this weekend, Scotty? Look, I'll give it a shot. Yep, I'll give it a shot. Bit tough on old L. We're just giving her a watch, and now we're told her she can't wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
I would be very surprised if you managed to get it in the post before the weekend. So little faith, Mel. So little faith. With that, let's wrap up episode 90. And I'll meet you again for another chat next week, shall I? You shall. Bye.